around the region, around the world. The Voice of Niagara, News Talk 610, CKTB. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. This segment brought to you by Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Dog Talk with Dave McMahon on News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome to Dog Talk, everyone. Good evening. I'm Dave McMahon, your host. I'm a professional dog trainer, and I am the owner of Dave McMahon's Dog Training Academy in the city of Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. I have been running my dog academy for 34 years and loving every minute of it. Helping dog owners to train their dogs is what I do. And I host this uh, highly educational very fun radio show called Dog Talk that you can catch every Monday night live on your radio, live online through the iHeart Radio Network. You can listen on the iHeart Radio app. You can listen as a live Facebook watch. A lot of people get to see the very colorful shirt that I am wearing. Very summery, I might add. And uh, also, you, all the shows are podcasted, archived. You can hear them after the broadcast uh, so it's basically dave mcmahon dog talk on demand you can go to the radio station's website which is 610cktb.com and you can check out dog talk anytime you want it's on spotify apple music the list goes on uh, or as i said just go to the radio station website 610cktb.com and all the shows are archived and you can hear past episodes of dog talk we always have a lot of fun. You are welcome here, and you can participate. You can call in with questions. That's right. You can phone, and you can ask a question for my guest this evening. Uh, my guest coming up in a couple of minutes is Dr. James Cook. He is a DVM, Doctor of Veterinary of Medicine. He is the Chief of the Orthopedic Research Division at the University of Missouri. Our topic this evening is hip dysplasia. Uh, Dr. James Cook is also the author of Hand Delivered Hope. Please say hello to Dr. James Cook. Hello, Dr. James. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Thank you very, very, very much for joining us on the Dog Talk program. I uh, heard you uh, on a couple of other dog-related uh, uh, podcasts, and I said, well, we have to have Dr. James Cook come on this show to tell our listeners as much as possible about hip dysplasia. And uh, I, I do understand from speaking with you that hip dysplasia is not just found in the large breeds of dogs as it typically once was or once thought of. Oh, you have a shepherd, a roddy, you have a, a Dane, you have the, uh, you know, the, the heavier, larger giant breeds. Certainly the hip dysplasia is, uh, is present there, but uh, you have educated me and taught me uh, today, as a matter of fact, that there are medium to small breeds of dogs that also uh, can have hip dysplasia. So it's, it's, uh, it's something we need to be aware of. And Dr. James Cook is on the program with us. If you have any questions, I want you guys to call 
and you can ask him yourself. The numbers to keep handy for tonight's broadcast, 905-688-2582. That's 905-688-2582. Toll free at 1-877-610-2582. I have to actually look down to look at the numbers. Can you imagine? I think I've got too much sun today. (laughs) Again, those numbers are 905-688-2582. Toll free, you can call us and ask a question to the doctor this evening. Call us at 1-877-610-2582. Dr. James, so uh, where do we get started with hip dysplasia? I mean, people are buying dogs. Dog ownership is on a huge incline internationally in Canada and U.S. I'm sure you're seeing the dog population grow and grow like crazy. Uh, down where you are, as it is here in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think where to start is where you started already, Dave, is to say, you know, it's not just the old poster children we used to think about. Yeah. And not not only just the large breed dogs, um, but not only uh, just purebred dogs anymore. You know, even the mixed breed dogs, we got to look for it. And so I think the place to start is when you're finding that dog. And how can you do your homework best to decrease your chances of having to deal with hip dysplasia because it's no fun for you or for the dog. And a lot of times it can limit then, of course, what that dog can do. Um, You know, if you are interested in obedience or agility or those types of things, and then certainly we'll talk a little bit about some of our major working dogs like the military and police dogs. And we got to know as early as possible so that we can, you know, do our best to prevent it, then treat it if we can't prevent it, and then um, decide what that dog can effectively do in a safe and pain-free way uh, if we are having to deal with it. So that's really why we went down this pathway of trying to find a really uh, discreet and accurate way to diagnose it much earlier in life than just waiting to see when it's already a problem based on x-ray diagnosis. Now, as you mentioned, there are small, medium-sized dogs that are you know, that have hip dysplasia as well as the giant breeds. Now, is this something that you've seen in the last decade where you're seeing that, you know, hip dysplasia is being painted with a much wider brush? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's probably like a lot of things. I I think it was always there. But now that we're looking for it more and more, we recognize it more and more than we are seeing it in all those breeds. And, you know, the registries are so great, like, OFA and PenHip, these these registries where you can find out about the sire and the dam and even beyond that. So as far back in the lineage as you can find out, that is helpful, but we still need uh, quicker, earlier ways to diagnose it definitively so that we can plan. Because the cool thing is there's a lot of ways, even non-surgically, that we can prevent it. Um, even if they have hip dysplasia, it can be preventable and or we can make it much less symptomatic. And so that's one thing we want to get to this super early. Um, So choosing the pet is first. We want some info for that. And then uh, preventing it, if that's a problem. And then certainly if we do get down that line or um, it becomes more non-preventable, then we can talk about some of the treatment strategies, which again are both surgical and non-surgical. Yeah, and that's good to know. For the listeners that don't know exactly what hip dysplasia is exactly, Uh, In your awesome best words, can you describe what it is? Yeah, so this is a problem that happens in the hips during growth that then typically, if it's not prevented or treated effectively, 
results in pretty severe arthritis in the hips. And I think the problem, the reason we haven't just solved this problem is that there is a genetic basis. So it does matter who the parents of the dog are and the grandparents and the grandparents and the grandparents. Um, but it's not just genetic. So two things about that is it's not just one gene. We can't just figure out this gene and breed it out of the whole population. Because there's a lot of genes that combine. But then, in addition to that, it is how they're um, developed. And so, you know, being overweight, not developing their muscle mass along with their skeletal growth, and then sometimes too much early activity and poor nutrition. All of those factors can then influence the genetic component to have that problem occur. And so what happens is the, the growth of the muscles and the soft tissues can't keep up. The hip, that ball and socket joint gets loose. And when it gets loose, then it changes. It doesn't become a ball and socket appropriately. It gets kind of squared off. It loses its cartilage. And then it becomes truly arthritic, like we would think of the you know, old guy, old woman's knees. Um, and this is happening in their hips and then really becomes painful and debilitating. And the problem is, you know, that can happen as early as two years of age in some breeds and then certainly just deteriorate on down the line. So it's important to understand that it's not just genetics alone, but environment can influence the dog's hips. And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I am finding at least a lot with my clients that people have a tendency to want to over-exercise their puppies and they want to start jogging with their three-month-old Rottweiler and their three-month-old Lab and, and they're just pushing the dogs too far and they're just overdoing it. Yes, yes, yes. So please keep preaching that message and let's say to you know the listeners tonight, your, your great audience tonight, like if you take nothing else away from tonight, Please take that away because you can make a difference. Um, not only just the hip dysplasia, but so many skeletal developmental things in your dogs. And yeah, you, we've got to just let them develop and do this really sequentially and at, at, at you know really um, progressive paces and intensities and durations to let the dog grow up right. Yeah. So over-exercising certainly is something to be aware of. Yes. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with uh, Dr. James Cook. He's a doctor of veterinary medicine. He is the author of Hand Delivered Hope. He is the chief of the orthopedic research division at the University of Missouri. The topic is hip dysplasia. We'll also touch on elbow dysplasia and spinal problems as well. I'm Dave McMahon. You're listening to Dog Talk. Stick around. We'll be right back. From the 40 rebound QW approaching Brant, but it's still solid from third line here on the Toronto Mountain side. Look out for delays from Dorval to Fort Drive. The closer you get to Niagara region, the better it is. Now we do have a closure in Port Colburn, southbound on Highway 58, past Townline Tunnel Road. The bridge is shut down over the railway as repairs continue through here. Now Niagara Falls, look out for road reconstruction on the go and Fallsview Boulevard between Murray and Ferry. A message from Canadian Blood Services. There's an immediate need for blood across Canada. Over 7,300 appointments need to be filled by Canada Day. Book now at blood.ca. I'm Miles Marcus, 610 CKTB. Time saver traffic next in 15 minutes. 
It will be cloudy tonight with some winds calming down low of 11. Tomorrow, another cloudy day and it will be cooler with a high of 18. On Wednesday, mix of sun and cloud with a high of 20. Thursday, we'll see a mix of sun and cloud, high of 23. Friday, mix of sun and cloud, high of 24. There is a chance that we'll see some rain in the evening. I'm Bonnie Heslop on News Talk 610 CKTB. Pet Food Outlet in Welland is your summer stop shop for everything pet. Get a fresh look with a new collar and leash. Heading out on the water? See their great selection of life jackets for all sizes. Check out new summer toys. And remember, it's flea and tick season. Pet Food Outlet has the products to keep your pets safe. Pet Food Outlet, making pets and their people happy. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 7, Saturday, 9 to 5, and Sunday, 10 to 5 at 824 Ontario Road in Welland. Ten questions, five minutes, a shot at $100,000. Rob Lowe hosts the mind-bending, body-spinning quiz show, Mental Samurai, Tuesday at 9, only on CTV. Why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. Ticks are out. Pick up your prevention today. Maine West Animal Hospital at mainwestvet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at niagarafallsanimalhospital.com. Now, more Dog Talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTV. This segment brought to you by Maine West Animal Hospital. Welcome back to the Dog Talk radio show and good evening to all of you. My name is Dave McMahon. I'm the owner of the Dave McMahon Dog Academy located in the city of Niagara Falls. And we have dog obedience classes starting every single month. Go to the website, davemcmahon.ca, and you will see the start dates for the obedience classes. We also do private lessons. We specialize in problem solving and behavior modification with dogs. We can help you with your problem dog. And, uh, and that'll be good because we can take the stress away for you. Okay, so website for Dave McMahon Dog Academy, again, is davemcmahon.ca, and it's spelled M-C-M-A-H-O-N.ca. I do want to acknowledge the Dog Talk radio show sponsors. First of all, right at the top is the Pet Food Outlet, located 824 Ontario Road in Welland. I'd like to acknowledge the Maine West Animal Hospital, the Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital, and the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Uh, those are the Dog Talk radio show sponsors. And uh, thank you so much for supporting the program, everyone, and telling your friends to tune in. Dog ownership's on a huge incline, both in Canada and United States. So many people are getting dogs. So many people are getting puppies, and people are getting rescue dogs and designer breeds. And we have just learned from Dr. James Cook that it's not just the large breeds of dogs that are prone to hip dysplasia. Small, medium-sized breeds can get hip dysplasia, as he indicated before commercial break. Uh, you can have hip dysplasia with dogs that are mixed breeds or the designer breeds. So um, 
you know, it's something you need to be aware of. Uh, he is going to be talking about uh, treatments that are ava available, uh, not always uh, surgery, but there could be some other treatments that are available. We'll touch on elbow dysplasia and uh, uh, hip certification. We'll be talking about that. Now, if you have a question for the doctor, you can call this evening, 905-688-2582. Uh, don't be shy. We don't bite. 905 688 2582. I might nibble a little bit gently, but no, no, uh, no heavy biting. Uh, you could call toll free. Let us pay for it. Hey, why not? 1-877-610-2582. So uh, Dr. James Cook, he's also the author of Hand Delivered Hope, and he is the chief of the orthopedic uh, research division at the University of Missouri. We're so delighted that we have him on the show this evening. Um, so as we've mentioned, designer breeds, small breeds, mixed breeds, uh, there's so many dogs that can have hip dysplasia. And you have explained to us, um, you know, some reasons as to uh, how this can come about and uh, where it derives from. Putting, you know, stress, a lot of dogs that people that are doing dog sports, maybe a little too much, a little too heavy, putting stress on those elbows, putting stress on the hips. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that brings up the point of a couple of things is one is, again, just being very progressive. So, you know, you don't need to go to maximum height. You don't need to go to maximum duration or intensity, especially as a dog is growing. And you can kind of keep track of this, that you should really see the muscles develop along with the growth. You know, a lot of times we talk about, oh, he's just awkward or she's just kind of goofy, clumsy right now. Yeah. That's actually a red flag. Um, you know, puppies are pretty precocious and they grow, they grow quickly and they gain their agility and balance and all that pretty quickly. So it really might be a sign of some of these orthopedic problems. Um, obviously, good nutrition goes right along with that. We cannot build good muscles without good nutrition. And then I'm a huge proponent of cross training. Um, so I think cross training is really important. You know, just like for us, we develop different muscles. We develop balance, speed, endurance in different events. And so cross training for us in the dog world can be as simple as a long leash walk, um, you know, hiking, swimming. Um, but if you're doing, especially if you're really focused on one sport, and this has been shown in our human kids as well too, um, injury prevention, developmental problem prevention, and actually better performance happens with cross training. So these kids that are playing, you know, elite soccer all year round, they're not doing as well. And they're much more prone to injuries. It's the same for our dogs. So, again, that is one thing we should bring from the human realm to the dog realm. And it's so true for the hip dysplasia component as well, too. And swimming is awesome for dogs. And just to mention, one of our uh, dog talk radio show sponsors, the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center, uh, they have an indoor swimming pool that they have for therapeutic purposes for dogs, but also they do recreational swimming and they're located in St. Catharines, the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Shout out to them. Swimming certainly is uh, amazing exercise for the dogs. No doubt about it. And uh, I was going to ask you about your, your view on treadmills for dogs. Now, in our area of Ontario, there's an increasing amount of dog businesses, whether it be uh, trainers or different, uh, you know, dog related uh, facilities, they are offering, you know, treadmills for the dogs, not just selling treadmills, but a service where you'd come in and, you know, I guess we have to be careful about that as well. Yeah, honestly, that's, I'm, I'm really not adamant about most exercises to avoid. 
but I actually am about that one. And it's actually based on science. I try and do everything I do based on science or tell you when it's just yes. my opinion. This is based on science. And the problem is it's just different for dogs for a couple reasons. One is that dogs are not wearing shoes. Um, you know, and so obviously it's the pad on the treadmill with the friction. And, and I, so I should, um, I should uh, distinguish here. I'm talking about land treadmills, not water treadmills. I think water treadmills are yes. fantastic. One of the best exercises you can dog, do for a dog, especially during therapy, but land treadmills where there's no water involved. The other problem besides that it's pad on a very you know, high friction surface because we don't want people slipping. That's why they're high friction there, but that's not great for dogs. And remember dogs always typically have at least two feet on the ground or on the treadmill at the same time. And the problem is it's, it's just the nature of their gait. I mean, it's pure physics and science is that while one paw or one foot is accelerating, the other one is decelerating. That's how dogs walk on a treadmill at pretty much any pace or, or trot um, as well, too. And so that can be a real problem because you have opposite frictions going. And so when you're telling them to go at a pace that the treadmill is set at, that can be a real problem. And I have seen some some damage, um, not only to the pads, but then, you know, other problems with the joints um, or tendons or muscles as they as they try and adapt to the treadmill. Um, which is not what we want them to do. We want the, the, the exercise that we're doing to adapt to them. I'm so glad that you're talking about this. There is such an increasing amount of dog owners nationwide that are buying treadmills, you know, and, and thinking that, you know, um, that the dog needs to be on a treadmill schedule and that it's going to keep their dog fit. Uh, and, of course, there is danger to treadmills. There's an overuse of the treadmill, which is not good for the dog's elbows, spine, hips. Um, but uh, as I said, there's a lot of training schools that are, are getting into using the treadmills. And there's a couple of dog trainers that are on television that have used treadmills in their TV shows. And I really think sometimes when people see that, that kind of gets things spiraling, you know, moving along. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. It's like you and I planned this and we didn't. Um, no. you know, it's I really, really caution against it. And again, I promise you it's evidence-based, it's biomechanics-based, it's physics-based. Um, and I have seen problems. I've unfortunately treated dolls just for that reason. You know, we have a canine fitness expert that joins us occasionally. Shout out to uh, Racine Hyatt. And uh, she has also uh, cautioned about uh, the, the use of treadmills and how we have to be very careful and how this can be damaging to the dog's body. Really can. Yeah. So I'm glad we're cautioning that. Yeah, I think they're, apart from hip dysplasia, I think there's been two great take-home points tonight for just safety of dogs. That's right. And, and we've talked about the, the people who want to be jogging with their young puppies and the puppies aren't fully developed and they're trying to jog for 90 minutes, two hours with a three and four month old puppy. Um, of course, you, you see people on their bicycle and they, they take the dog with them. I see people taking their dog with them on the e-bikes, you know, the scooters. I'm not sure what you call them where you are, but, uh, yeah. you know, and, and they're like, oh, I had them out for three and a half hours steady on, on the e-bike. I mean, it can't be good for the dog's body. No, not that early. And again, I think we would both say, you know, all these things are possible and can be good, but they have to be built up to, you know, and the dog has to be capable of doing those things. Um, you know, so it has to be a progressive and keeping up with the development of the dog and making sure that it's okay. And then the other point about this whole thing is there, there has to be, again, very 
um, hard sports science evidence in both the four-leggers and the two-leggers, as I always say, is that recovery. Recovery is a huge component of doing well, health, safety, and performance. So what would you, what would you say to someone who has a puppy between the age of, let's say, uh, 12 weeks and 16 weeks of age, for example, uh, like if they were to exercise their puppy as far as a duration of walk or a hike or something of that nature. Um, and, and let's have you speak from if it were actually your pup. Yeah. Okay? And I, that's what I want to know is if you had a puppy, how long would your hike? Let's, let's think hike where there's yeah. a little bit of uphill climb, uh, climb, you know, downhill climb. Um, how, how long would you go for, for a walk with a pup that's, let's say, between 12 to 16 weeks of age? Yeah, I mean, I literally would start with two minutes. Um, and so I would say that the other important factor about this is it is much better. And that goes to the recovery component of that, that way. So, you know, three, two to five minute walks is much better, especially at that stage, than one 15 minute walk. Okay. So that would really help us with the progressive buildup. Plus, then you can see how they're recovering from that. If they're ready to go right away again, that's a really good sign. Um, that they're okay and they're not sore. You don't see any, you know, hesitation or soreness during the walk. Those are really important things. And again, I just have to get this in there because I mean, I, I would do that and I do do that with my um, dogs. We fortunately live on a lake here, so we're we can hike around the trails here. And I do that with all my puppies and all my dogs. But I also do what we call core strengthening activities. Yes. So things that are just, you know, they're, they're kind of, we would think of them as physical therapy, but they're not. And the cool thing is, I'm sure you'll appreciate this as too, uh, well as too, Dave, is that, um, you know, they're also a component of training and obedience. Because if you're, you're helping the dog do these core stabilizers, and there's a bunch of different ones, leg lifts, weight shifting, walking on a half blown up um, air mattress, um, things that are very safe, but develop balance, muscle strength proprioception, which is your know, you know where you are in space, and our super stays and the core muscle. Just like in us, we got to start with the core. Yeah, we've got to have a strong core. That's yes, what I'm going to do. Yes, start sir. getting a stronger core. We are going to take a short break. We'll come back, continue our conversation. Uh, we're, the, we're talking about hip dysplasia, and uh, we're also talking with uh, Dr. James Cook, who is an expert. He's a doctor of veterinary of medicine, chief of the orthopedic research division at the University of Missouri, and he is the author of a book called Hand Delivered Hope. If you have a question, you can call at 905-688-2582, 905-688-2582. Uh, we will proceed without your questions. I have questions for the doctor. He's got a lot of things he wants to share with us. We'll talk about hip certification. We'll talk about treatments, prevention, lots to talk about. I'm Dave McMahon. Stay where you are. We're coming back with more dog talk right after we hear this. When I'm down there. Is your pet overweight? June is Healthy Habits Month at the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center. Excess weight can cause chronic pain, arthritis, cancer, heart and lung disease, and reduces a pet's lifespan. Follow the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center on Facebook this month as they focus on healthy habits to maintain or return your pet to a healthy weight. Contact the Niagara Canine Conditioning Center for information on their weight loss and fitness programs. Call 289-362-5900 or email info at canineconditioningcenter.ca. Get away from the window, honey. It's Nick and Deb. 
Look, they just sold their house with purple bricks. Oh, there goes this old sign. Wow, that was fast. Well, they do everything. The listing, they manage showings, negotiate the offer. Oh, now they're hugging. And they probably saved thousands. I know. Oh, now they're kissing. Oh. 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 Hey, there's children around here. Local realtors, full service, big savings. Visit purplebricks.ca. Pet Food Outlet in Welland is your summer stop shop for everything pet. Get a fresh look with a new collar and leash. Heading out on the water? See their great selection of life jackets for all sizes. Check out new summer toys. And remember, it's flea and tick season. Pet Food Outlet has the products to keep your pets safe. Pet Food Outlet. Making pets and their people happy. Open Monday to Friday 9 to 7, Saturday 9 to 5, and Sunday 10 to 5 at 824 Ontario Road in Welland. Why do so many local pet parents entrust their cherished companions to Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital in Niagara Falls and Maine West Animal Hospital in Welland year after year? Simple. It's the way they treat their patients and the people who love them with dignity, respect, and the utmost compassion. Both vet clinics help make pet care affordable and offer financing to qualifying clients. Ticks are out. Pick up your prevention today. Maine West Animal Hospital at MainWestVet.com, Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital at NiagaraFallsAnimalHospital.com. Just look out for minor delays on the Fort Erie bound QW from Burloak to Brant and Swanabound from Trafalgar to Ford Drive, so things are cooling off on the major routes. Don't forget, southbound Highway 58 past Townline Tunnel Road has the bridge closed over the railway as repairs continue through here until the end of August. And construction of the Go Niagara Falls closing Oakwood from Montrose to Jellystone Park, as well as in St. Catharines, where Russell's closed from Geneva to Catherine. A message from Canadian Blood Services. There's an immediate need for blood across Canada. Over 7,300 appointments need to be filled by Canada Day. Book now at blood.ca. I'm Miles Marcus, 610 CKTB, Tom Saver Traffic. From the floral clock to the kissing rock to the Welland Canal locks, you're enjoying the voice of Niagara. News Talk 610 CKTB. This segment brought to you by Heartland Niagara Animal Hospital. Now, more dog talk with Dave McMahon. News Talk 610 CKTB. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Radio Show. With us this evening, Dr. James Cook, Doctor Veterinary of Medicine. He is the Chief of the Orthopedic Research Division of the University of Missouri. Uh, the topic is hip dysplasia. He is the author of Hand Delivered Hope. Uh, Dr. James Cook is his name, and you can find out more about him. Uh, he'll give you his contact information, uh, we hope. Shortly. <laughs> now, um, there's varying degrees of hip dysplasia. Can you talk to my audience about that? I mean, there's people that come back and they're, they're crying and they're quite upset. And they tell me that, uh, you know, they, they can't do what they were hoping they were able to do with their dog, whether it's shoots on training or agility or a particular dog sport. And the vet has just informed them the dog has, you know, second degree or third degree hip dysplasia. So uh, would you be able to touch on the varying degrees of the hip dysplasia, if you wouldn't mind? Kind of mild, moderate, and severe um, were the different grades of that. And it is important that the hard part about that is that there are certainly those grades. Those are based on what we see on x-rays. And what happens is the things that we see on x-rays don't always correlate with the symptoms. 
And so honestly, that's why we've kind of gone on the mission. And I think, you know, probably what initiated um, you having me on, which I appreciate a ton, is that we're trying to do a better and earlier way to determine both are they going to have hip dysplasia and how severe or symptomatic is it going to be. And so, you know, right now we talked a little bit about the certifications or registry programs, and there are several different ones. All are great. The problem is they're kind of all too late. And they're too late for all the reasons that we've talked about. So they're too late for uh, best breeding practices. But probably more importantly for your audience tonight, Dave, is that, you know, they're, they're too late for deciding what that dog can do. Um, you know, putting the time and the money into it, if we are saying this should be a military dog or a police dog or a, a you know, big time agility dog. Um, but then also just, you know, how are they going to be for pets? Are we going to have to worry about the pain? And so then that brings us in that the current systems are too late for some of the non-surgical prevention strategies. Um, and then even some of the prevention surgeries, there are surgeries that can be prevented as well, too. So what we're doing is we're looking at the uh, blood and urine of four to six month old puppies of all breeds. And we look at these proteins that when we call them biomarkers. So they're going to tell us they're going to predict the future. They're like the crystal ball. We say you get you pee, your dog pees in a cup and we'll use that as a crystal ball um, to determine if they're going to have hip dysplasia when it's gonna occur and how severe that is. We've proven that this can happen in a pilot study. And now we're collecting data, including quite a bit from Canada. So I uh, thank your, your uh, uh, components as well too. Um, and now so far we've got 350 dogs enrolled and we're trying to prove that validated in a big population of dogs across breeds um, to say that now hopefully in the near future, in the next three to five years, we could have a urine sample from your dog, look at four of these biomarkers and say, here's what's gonna happen. So we could tell you, you really need to concentrate on these preventative strategies. We might wanna think that this may not be a military dog or this may not be the best agility dog. So let's focus on obedience. Um, or you know what, this is a time to intervene with a prevention surgery so you can do all that stuff for the rest of their lives. So it's really kind of a comprehensive approach to try and address all that for all breeders. Uh, all dog owners and all working dog um, trainers. Yeah, so these tests are, are awesome, really. We, we hope so. And again, in a very small number of dogs, it's worked fantastically. So four proteins just in the urine have been a perfect crystal ball to predict that. Those were only in Labrador. So we did a limited study in Labradors. One of the poster children that we know is not just a poster children now, a child now, but um, but now we're doing it with all breeds. And again, we, our goal is 500. We think that that will be very, very um, validating and applicable to all the, all the populations. And we've gotten a huge number of different breeds, which is amazing. Some breeds I didn't even know <laughs> before, and I'm a veterinarian. So, um, you know, I think it's gonna be a really great study and we're, we're getting close to finalizing the collection process. And then we just gotta do the validation process, which will take about another year. So we're hoping uh, early 2023 to really have some uh, big answers for people. That's excellent, good news. Uh, tell us about your book, Hand Delivered Hope. Well, thanks for asking that. And I, you know, I, I bring it up because I think um, dog owners and dog trainers always have big hearts. And so this has nothing to do with veterinary medicine other than my wife and I, who's also a veterinarian, started a development aid organization and it's education focused. And so our um, organization called Be The Change Volunteers, you can check it out on Facebook or um, through our website at be the change volunteers.org. 
Um, we do education-focused development aid. So in uh, 13 years now, we've built 54 schools in 17 different countries. And uh, we have 7,800 kids in our schools. And that book, Hand Delivered Hope, you can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold, is the story of our first 10 years. And it's a, a pretty exciting, funny, scary, um, breathtaking journey um, about some people that just got two words from a group of orphans, orphans in Zambia who, when I asked them what the best thing I could do for them when I went back to America, they said books and tuition. And I say those two words changed my life forever. And so again, I you know I just know how dog people are, and I think they have amazing hearts and are usually um, people that want to volunteer. And so maybe you know at least you'll have a good story to read. It's called Hand Delivered Hope, and uh, maybe we'll get you involved in some volunteer work as well. That's awesome. Congratulations with the success with that. Thank you. That's terrific. Uh, we want to mention a couple of times. How would my listeners be able to reach you for those that are going to hear this broadcast on a podcast? on Spotify or the other platforms where tonight's show is going to appear, um, you know, uh, later this evening, tomorrow. Um, how could how could people reach out to you uh, through email or how could they contact you? Yeah, email is great. So it's um, cookjl, C-O-O-K-J-L, at health.missouri. And you've got it on the bottom of the screen there. Missouri spelled out. Um, dot missouri.edu like education so cookjl at health.missouri.edu and I, I would love to receive your emails and you know answer your questions that way as well to connect you to different websites or articles about what we're talking about so you can uh, read the science for yourself if you're not sure you quite believe me on some of it and um, and again we can still we still have some openings to be involved in the study if you have puppies that are between four and six months of age, we're still enrolling in that study. Yeah, perfect. So it's up on the screen now. That's exactly right. And um, yeah, so we're still enrolling puppies in the study. Excellent. We could be part of that, uh, you know, hopefully making the crystal ball for, for all dog owners around the world. Now, would you be able to touch on treatments? We know that yeah. surgery would be the most drastic, I would say, or the most extreme of uh, when we've discovered the dog's got some severe hip dysplasia, uh, what other sorts of uh, treatments would be available? Because people panic and think right away, yeah. oh my goodness, the dog's gonna need surgery. Right, and that's, what you, that's one of the main reasons we wanna get this. So if we can do this, we can have the crystal ball four to six months of age and it opens up all those opportunities. And the one we've already talked about. So if we can really focus in on muscle building activities. Yes, that don't certain exercises. Them, Yes, absolutely. And we can, you know, target, you know, that's a beauty of veterinary medicine dog training right now is we know how to target muscles now. We can target the gluteals, the quadriceps, the hamstrings. I mean, we can do that in dogs just like we do in people. And those are the ones that we have to build up. So, you know, I'd say if we do have that, if you're finding that, you know, it's not keeping up, the muscles are not keeping up, the dog seems clumsy, awkward, doesn't want to go on those even short walks. Um, and then, you know, you go into your veterinarian and say, oh yeah, the hips are a little lax and yeah, the muscle is not there. Then get with a trainer, a canine physical therapist, a veterinarian that does physical therapy, you know, and work on those. You can really save the hips. You know, we have it. It should be a website. It should be a t-shirt, save the hip. Yeah. Um, and it is possible in those ways. So even if you're diagnosed, it's not the end of the world, as long as we diagnose it early enough. So stay on top of that. And again, that's our hope for the biomarkers. Then there are preventative surgery. So we can, if the laxity is there and the ball is just starting to come out, we can actually rotate the cup around to capture it better. 
and again, prevent it from going to arthritis. Those dogs, I just got a note. It was so beautiful. I got a note through Facebook last night of a, of a dog that's doing big time agility work that I had done this surgery. It's called a pelvic osteotomy. So it rotates the cup to cover the ball. Right. I did it seven years ago. And the dog is still competing at the highest levels of agility now. So you can save the hip that way as well, too. And then if not, you know, we do get to where we might have to manage it medically. So that can be with non-steroidals and nutraceuticals, along with the activity management that we talk about already. And then all the way down to we might have to do total hip replacement, which is a great option if we need to get to that point. But my goal is to honestly, even as a surgeon, as a veterinary orthopedic surgeon, my goal is to never do surgery on the hips to prevent them all, yes. um, to treat them all that way. And then, you know, in those cases where we do have to do it, um, we know the right procedures to do. Yeah. Are you seeing an increase with elbow dysplasia? Yes. And that will be our next challenge. And again, it's a very similar thing. So the good news is, you know, all of these things we've talked about do apply to elbows. Um, that's going to be next on our list is to do the same type of thing. Look for these biomarkers for elbow dysplasia. And we're doing that concurrently. So especially a lot of these dogs get both hip dysplasia and elbow dysplasia. And so we're distinguishing them out with those biomarkers. But it's the same type of thing. You know, it's a genetic component, multiple genes, but the environment, the things we've talked about, the lifestyle can all affect that positively or negatively. Let's do the positive side like you and I have talked about tonight. And then, you know, definitely some uh, preventative surgeries and some even to elbow replacements at the end. And then the other one we're working on concurrently that you mentioned, Dave, is the spine. You know, so many problems in the spine. And that's another one where we, you know, we used to just think it's the dachshund or the corgi. But yes. it's not. It's, yeah. it's every breed is susceptible to it and can have different manifestations of that. So, again, we're working on that uh, in the same uh, pathway with biomarkers and trying to diagnose this early and then do preventative things. Now, are there any supplements that you would recommend aside from the high-end brand of kibble that someone chooses to purchase for their dog each month? Are there any su uh, supplements that you would recommend or something that maybe uh, dog owners need to bear in mind if they're considering uh, adding uh, certain supplements to the dog's diet to, to help with uh, hip and joints? That's a really easy answer, no. Um, but you hit the key again, Dave. So um, I'm finding out you're very wise tonight. Um, you hit the key is that if you're using a complete, well-balanced, scientifically proven dog food. I mean, I, I tell people because I, I actually work on the human side. So my appointment is at the human medicine realm in sports science. And I actually tell um, all my big time athletes and I work with pro and division one athletes. I tell them there's way more science into dog's food than there is in your food. I tell my athletes that, and it's true. So let's use that science because the, the good, and there are many of them, the, the big name brands, like you mentioned, when they're scientifically proven for that, they're complete. And you can actually, the same thing with exercise, you can over nutrition a dog. And that's been, it's actually been scientifically proven to potentially contribute to things like osteochondrosis, hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, some of the other spine diseases, all the things we've talked about. So overnutrition can be worse um, than, than uh, anything. So don't supplement. This, there are supplements that are helpful for arthritis when you okay. okay? But not as a preventative, not as a growth additive, not as a muscle builder. All of those things are not only not necessary, but can be harmful. Shark cartilage and the fish oil. I mean, it's only going to go so far. Great as a treatment. 
Great is a multi, what we call multimodal treatment. So, and it can help us to not have to do things like non that can, you know, have GI upset or kidney problems, you know, so some of the pharmaceuticals, it can help us avoid or minimize those, but it's only a disease treatment. It's not a preventative. Now in Canada, the veterinarians are not allowed to prescribe uh, the CBD or the THC. What's happening on the U.S. side of things when it comes to CBD and THC blend for pain management for dogs? Yeah, it can be used and prescribed and or, you know, over the counter suggested. <laughs> um, right. And it, it's really variable. You know, I think I think it's like a lot of things, again, probably analogous to human medicine right now is it's just um, it definitely can have some benefit. You know, some people will tell you some miracle stories. Um, about it. And I, I do believe them. I just think the science hasn't caught up right now. And as you've, you know, you've noticed tonight and just the nature of my job and, and my personality is I, I'm really an evidence-based person. So I like to, you know, say that it, now I haven't seen any harm happen. So I, I think it is one thing you can try in certain situations, but, um, you know, make sure you're really monitoring closely make sure you're getting a quality product if you are going to go down that route. You know, Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Cook. I really appreciate you educating us on the Dog Talk Radio Show tonight all about hip dysplasia. Keep in mind that you can get uh, Dr. James Cook, uh, you can get his book, author of Hand Delivered Hope, available on Amazon. And uh, your email if people wish to contact you directly to ask you any questions about elbow dysplasia, spine problems, hip dysplasia. Can you give your email one more time, please? Yes, it's cookjl, C-O-O-K-J-L, at health.missouri.edu. And I, I'd love to get your emails. It was awesome having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care. Dr. James Cook, everyone, thanks. Talk soon. I hope he has a doggone awesome night. I hope you all have a doggone awesome night. I'm Dave McMahon. Thank you for listening to Dog Talk. And thank you to my producer, Mr. Greg Campagna, for taking awesome care of us. If you're having a problem with your dog, reach out to me at the Dave McMahon Dog Training Academy in Niagara Falls. Contact me, 289-687-0505, 289-687-0505. Again, my number, 289-687-0505. Feel free to text me if you have a question about your dog or you want to talk about dog obedience classes. We have the new dog obedience class schedule up on the davemcmahon.ca website. Again, thank you to Dr. James Cook. Thank you to our sponsors. Good night, everyone. <laughs>